My Govanin, welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel, I'm the Tolkien Geek, and all of you people who voted to have me watch The Green Knight owe me big time. That movie was awful. Don't get me wrong, there are good elements about it, and in some ways it was a very pretty movie, but man, the story. They messed it up bad. Uh, so I'm going to talk about kind of the things that I liked and disliked about it on kind of a more objective cinematography type level, and then I'm going to get into the plot. So there will be spoilers and explain why I hate this movie. So I'm going to start with the non-spoiler stuff, and when we get to the point where we're going to talk about spoilers, I'll give a warning. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers, you can avoid that part. But I'm definitely going to go into some plot details because they really matter for why I can't stand this. So for things that I liked about the movie, aesthetically it was a very interesting, if not always likable, movie. And by that I mean there were things that were done in terms of the cinematography and the sound and things of that nature that I don't think you're supposed to like in in, in a sense because they're... I think, intentionally designed to make you uncomfortable. And there are several elements of this. The cinematography itself sometimes does weird things, like there's a scene where it actually kind of, the camera slowly turns upside down. I actually watched this with my wife, and it almost made her nauseous. Um, but it was in a scene, which I'll talk about later, where it followed events that made sense that maybe it would do that. There are also just weird cuts from time to time that seem awkward, and it's not awkward in like a somebody was just lazy with their camera cuts. It seems deliberate, and I think it's deliberately, you know, like I said, making you feel uncomfortable or like there's something off. And I think that is the point. So overall, I think... The cinematography does a good job of what it's trying to do, if I'm interpreting it correctly in terms of what it is trying to do. Um, but the cinematography is one thing. The costume choices, I think, mostly are really good. There are a few that I was like, that just seems weird. Um, but most of them I thought were really good. Um, there are things that you could nitpick about them, but in terms of just the, the look and appeal of them, I think they did a pretty good job. Also, the music, I actually really enjoyed. The music is using a very, you know, old, maybe not like 6th century type music, but at least medieval or older type of music in the background, which fits at least the general feel of the time period that we're supposed to be set in. So that worked really well, and I I really enjoyed that. And along those same lines, the general soundscape of the movie was really interesting. And again, here, I think part of it is supposed to be kind of unsettling, and part of it is supposed to be, you know, just immersive. And there's a lot of sounds in the backgrounds that do a lot of that work for you. You kind of get drawn into the movie in a lot of ways that it makes you feel like you're in the same environment that Gawain is in. So, it, on those terms, I think the movie did really well. And, you know, in, in some ways, I think that may have been part of the main aim of the movie. A lot of the people who have liked it have described it as an art house movie. And 
on those terms, it kind of works. Artistically, it does a pretty good job. But to me, if you're going to do a movie that's artistic, it still needs to have good things in the main plot to back it up, or it's really kind of pointless. It's like if I want just art, give me just the visual and just the soundscape and don't try to put a plot to it. So I'll get to some of that. But there were some things that were on a more non-plot basis that I also disliked. So let me talk about those. Now on the cinematography, here we do have what I mentioned earlier about the issue of the unsettling nature of it. And again, like I said, my wife who was with me, sorry for that, uh, she, like I said, almost kind of felt sick at one scene. And that that's one area where it's like, okay, you took that unsettling nature of what we're trying to do a little too far. And so, you know, even though I understand what they're trying to do with it, it's like at a certain point you need to know your limits where you might literally upset the stomachs of some of your audience. So that wasn't so great. There's also some just weird scenes that didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. For example, the very opening scene, we see uh, basically what looks like the, a yard in front of a house where this guy is slumped over. He's either drunk or dead or who knows what with farm animals. And in the background, it cuts in and out a few times as we're seeing credits, but the background has a building that's just on fire. And then some guy and a girl who look fairly well-dressed, so I assume they're nobility, come and get a horse and ride away. And meanwhile, the, the fire in that building in the background just keeps getting more and more out of control, and you can't see that anybody's doing anything about it. And this never goes anywhere. Next, we just kind of move from that to a scene where we see Gawain lying asleep, and we never see anything about that house again. We, I mean, it's just... It's bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. And there's some other scenes that are just really bizarre that I'll get to later because they get more into the plot. So I'll talk about those later. But there are several scenes where it's just like, what was the purpose of this? So that's one thing. Another one similar to this is that some scenes have dialogue, which seems weird. And this mostly comes out in what seems like attempts at humor that really don't land at all. So, for example, there's this one scene where he interacts with what is almost certainly a ghost, and I'll get to this plot point later in, in more detail, but it's not really spoiling anything that he interacts with a ghost by itself. And when he kind of realizes that it's probably a ghost, he reaches his hand out to try to touch it, and the ghost is like, what are you doing? And he pulls back, and it's like, the way that the scene plays off, it seems like it's supposed to get a laugh, but the whole context of it just doesn't lend itself to that, and you're just like, was that meant to be a joke? Or was that meant to be just a weird thing that happened, which in any other movie would be humorous, but here just really isn't. It it, it just came off as weird and unnatural. And part of that is because most of the movie, the characters and the dialogue and everything, they're very much in that pre-modern, 
style. Like, they use a lot of these and thous in this movie. You know, a lot of stuff where their mode of talking is not modern English. They're using modern English words so that we can understand them. But the, the way they talk, they use a lot of inversions and these and thous and stuff that you wouldn't, you know, turns of phrase that you don't hear today. So there's... and. As a general rule, the movie is a very serious one because it's all about, you know, Gawain eventually potentially losing his head at the end. I mean, that's not spoiling anything. If you know anything about the Green Knight, I mean, this all gets set up in the first 15 minutes of the movie. Um, but, you know, the, the whole thing is a very serious story, and there's really no comedy in it except there's these couple of scenes where weird things happen, and you're like, was I supposed to laugh at that? Because it just doesn't feel right with the rest of the movie. It just it, it doesn't fit. Um, so that's another thing. And the final thing that I'll point out here is the pacing of the movie is really slow. And yeah, I'm okay with a slow burn movie if it does well. But the problem is this movie never pays off that slow burn. It really just doesn't. It's slow. And part of the reason for the slowness may be, again to set up the unsettling nature of the movie. But at the end, when everything, you know, kind of comes to its conclusion, you're just sitting there thinking, I waited this long with relatively little dialogue and no action, really. And the fact that there's no action is not a problem in and of itself, but there's nothing to break up the slowness, for the most part, and at the very end, it doesn't seem like it's accomplished anything meaningful. Like, there's no real payoff for the the amount of waiting we had to do. The unsettledness that we get out of the various things don't get a resolve, and they don't seem to leave us with a particular... It's not... It doesn't seem like the movie intends to leave us in an unresolved, unsettled state, but it also doesn't resolve the unsettledness. So it's like it's just, it's there for the sake of being unsettling. And I'm just like, what is this? It doesn't, it just didn't work for me. So those are kind of the more objective looking at the movie as a movie criticisms. Now I'm going to get to spoilers and I'm going to talk about the plot and just the really worst part about this. So, spoiler warning, cut off now if you don't want to hear it. I'm about to talk about the plot. Now, I've done a video on The Green Knight, which I'll link to in the description. So, if you, and by that I mean the original poem. So, if you've not, if you're not familiar with the story, go watch that video for a synopsis of how the story goes in the original version. I'm going to be referring to parts of the story that are significantly different in this analysis, so it may not make sense if you don't know that much. But you may have, it may not matter a whole lot because there's some of the differences are just weird enough on their own. So, at the beginning of the Green Knight movie, we basically open to find Gawain in a whorehouse. And apparently he's got this one particular prostitute that he's actually really into and kind of in love with. And after he wakes up, he plays around trying to get her to engage with him a bit more. But she's getting ready to go 
to Christmas Mass, and then he has to go get ready for King. His you know uncle, his uncle is King Arthur, and so he's going to King Arthur's Christmas festival, and he ends up going to his home, briefly having an encounter with his mother, who is never named, but we'll get to that in a bit, and then goes to Arthur's Christmas party. In in the middle of all this, we then get some scenes where we see his mother doing some weird, presumably magical stuff. And so it seems like maybe she is Morgana Le Fay, who is the one who, in the original story, is actually behind everything. And we see his mother doing some stuff. She writes a letter and then burns it. And then immediately after that, we see the Green Knight arriving at King Arthur's Hall. And that's how everything gets going. The Green Knight shows up, and then he comes in, and unlike in the original story, where the challenge that he gives to the knights is very specifically to chop off his head if they can, and then he will return it if he can. Here, the challenge is, you know, one of your knights will face me, and then if they land some kind of a blow, whatever it is, I'll repay that in one year's time at the Green Chapel. Gawain ends up volunteering, and Gawain, by this point, we have established, is not a knight yet. He has no deeds in his history. He's basically, you know, a novice. Um, Which, you know, that's kind of more in keeping with modern trends of storytelling and how you develop your heroes, but it's very different from the original, and that'll become significant over time. So, Gawain volunteers. Arthur kind of tells him, you understand the nature of this challenge. You realize it's just a game. He's like, yeah, sure. Uh, But then, he actually goes into it, and because of the way the challenge was delivered, he's, you know, ready to face off in an actual man-to-man combat. And bear in mind, the, the... Green Knight is actually a giant. I mean, he's huge. He's really big, and his axe is really big. But he doesn't actually face off against Gawain. He just lays his axe down on the floor, and Gawain gets all confused. He's like, what are you doing? And then he kneels, and he, you know, he's still confused, and he's like, what do you want me to do? And then the Green Knight just bends his head over, like, hit me. <laughs> uh, and so Gawain basically says, okay. And then, this is one of the weird things, one of the weird scenes that doesn't really make any sense. He, like, you know, shouts to everybody in the room and says, everybody remember what happened here this Christmas Day. It's like, why do we need to remember it specifically? It just doesn't seem like a very natural thing to say in that situation, and it doesn't, I don't know, it didn't make any sense to me. But anyway, he does go over and he chops off the Green Knight's head. And, of course consonant with the original story, the Green Knight does not die. He stands up, picks up his head, and basically says, okay, you got a year. I'll see you in a year. He leaves the axe behind, but rides off. And everybody in the room is like, what just happened? (laughs) Um, So the rest of the year, kind of like in the original story, just kind of gets passed over for the most part, with the exception of the fact that it seems that we get Gawain's story with the Green Knight being spread like wildfire. Wildfire. It seems like everybody knows what happened, 
which again seemed a little odd to me. It seems like that would be something you might keep hush-hush because of the weirdness of it all. At any rate, he ends up getting ready to set out at the end of the year. In the meantime, we see him basically carousing, getting drunk on a regular basis, and he has a meeting with Arthur close to the end of it where Arthur's like, are you going to do this or not? And he's like, it's just a game. Do you really think I'm supposed to take this seriously? And he's like... I'm not sure if it's just a game, but you still are kind of duty-bound to go through with it. And, you know, you could see that Gawain's afraid to go through with it for obvious reasons. It's like he doesn't want to get his head chopped off. At any rate, he's getting ready to set out, and his mother, presumably Morgana Le Fay, because he is noted to be Arthur's sister, by the way, um, and that's who Morgana is in the original, is Arthur's sister or half-sister, um, Morgana ends up, or his mother, I'll just call him his mother because I'm not sure for sure if it's actually his mother, his mother is actually Morgana because her name is never given. It's weird. Um, we see her making a belt for him and putting some runes in it and she basically says it's a magically enchanted belt that'll protect you from all harm. Uh, so he wears this and this is really crucial because in the original story that belt doesn't come up until almost the very end when he's at the lord and lady's castle at you know almost the end of his journey so anyway he does set out and he starts riding off with the axe and his own sword and they give him a shirt of mail and on his road out we don't get a whole lot of anything but there is this one scene where he's riding through the forest and he hears a noise and there's this fox over there and the fox kind of trots off and the fox will come back but we also get some flashbacks of him getting ready to leave and talking to the prostitute that he was into and she asks him very pointedly will you make me your lady and he never really answers the question and here again we see an element of Gawain that seems like he's not really ready to make a commitment he's not you know Everything about this Gawain so far is not very likable. He wants to be a knight, and he wants to kind of live up to, you know, the standards of knighthood and all that, but so far it seems his entire life has been just hedonism, carousing, getting drunk, and not really doing anything responsible. And this is another element of that. So anyway, we get, the you know, a flashback like that, and then he continues on his journey, and... In the original story, basically, we get he had a lot of adventures, and then he ended up at this castle. Well, here we actually get some of the adventures. So this is one of those areas about the movie that I was not, in principle, upset about the change because the you know the story references adventures that he got into. So it's like I was kind of expecting there was going to be more because it'd be hard to make a movie out of just the original. But the way that they did some of these is where it gets really weird. So his first encounter, he comes across this, what apparently was a battlefield, because there's just dead bodies everywhere, and there's this one guy wandering around collecting arrows and maybe other stuff, we don't know. And he goes off on this weird kind of monologue where he's talking about his, you know, his brothers were in the battle and he would have been, but, I mean, it just, the the nature of what he talks about is just like, this is kind of strange, and, you know, I was kind of just putting it down to maybe he was just a little out of his mind because of being distraught about whatever happened. 
But one of the weird things about this is, like, why is there this battlefield full of dead people? Arthur's king, and Gawain hasn't gone that far. Who did this battle even take place between? Like, what happened? It doesn't seem to fit with anything. Anyway, he has his conversation with this guy, and the guy mentions that there's a chapel up this river, and Gawain's like, oh, wait, how, can you tell me how to get there? And so he basically gives him some directions, and he says, thank you. And the guy says, well, you, is my help not worth anything? And he says, my thanks. <laughs> and he says, surely a knight like you can give you know more than just your thanks. And so he gives him a coin, which he also basically, I don't remember if he mentioned it. No, he didn't. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he, he didn't mention the fact that he wasn't a knight. But the guy keeps calling him one anyway, which he is wearing armor and he's carrying a sword, so... You know, easy mistake, I suppose. Anyway, he follows the guy's directions, ends up in a wood, and for whatever reason, he's dismounted, presumably to give his horse a rest. And then this person stands out in front of the in the path in front of him. He basically just says, "Hello there," and the other person draws a knife. Now, remember what I told you: Gawain is wearing armor, not a lot, but he's wearing armor. He's wearing a belt that protects him from all harm. At least that's the theory. And he's carrying both his own sword and the Green Knight's axe. But as soon as this person draws a knife, he just, like, starts to turn away. And as soon as he turns away, then there's somebody behind him with a bow drawn on him and says, don't move. Uh, but it's like, you know, Gawain, it's one thing for Gawain not to be, like, a, an awesome knight already. But now we've established that Gawain in this movie is basically a craven. Like, he has no guts at all. He uh, he out-arms the person he's facing, he out-armors the person he's facing, and presumably he has magical protection against whatever they might try to do to him if it comes down to an actual actual fight. But he's like, as soon as he sees the knife, he's like, I don't want to do with this. It's like, it's really just kind of pitiful. I, I just... It drove me nuts when this happened. Basically, he gets captured, and it turns out the guy that he met at the battlefield is actually behind it. He set this whole thing up, although how he did that is anybody's guess, um, because how did he get ahead And anyway? Point being, this was all a trap by that guy, and he basically says, your coin wasn't enough. They tie Gawain up and start rummaging through all of his stuff. They actually break his shield, which... I don't know what the point of that was. That was another thing that seemed weird. It's like, wouldn't you want to keep that as a valuable item? <laughs> if you're going to be a bandit, you know, keep the stuff that has value. Um, but they start playing around with stuff, and the guy finds the axe, and the main guy ends up actually taking the axe and riding off with the horse, and the other two just follow him and leave Gawain tied up there. Fortunately for Gawain, they also leave his sword there, so he manages to just kind of crawl over to where his sword is, cut himself loose, and go on his way. So, But now at this point, he's lost the axe, and he's lost his horse, and it's nighttime, and he's wandering around basically in the, in the fog. One other weird thing that happened here is when they all ran off, we get this weird scene where we see Gawain kind of struggling for a minute, or really a, he kind of stopped struggling and almost like he just gave up. And it just pans around. Like, the the camera does a 360 and comes back. And when it comes back to Gawain, he's a skeleton. As if he lay there for who knows how long and just died and rotted. 
and then it pans back around again, and there he is. It's like, are we supposed to be getting something from this other than the fact that, yeah, if Gawain does nothing, then he's going to die? I mean, that's kind of, like, obvious, but it just seemed like another one of those pointless things. Anyway, he starts wandering off into the fog. He eventually comes across a pool where he drinks some water, and then he looks up, and there's a house in front of him. He's like, well, great, there's shelter. So he goes into the house. There's nobody there. It appears abandoned. So he goes up to the second story of the house, and there's a bed, and he just goes to sleep in it. Next thing you know, there's a woman sitting at the end of the bed saying, why are you in my bed? And he's like, oh, I didn't realize. You know, he's apologetic and everything. Um, And so he kind of starts to walk off, but she keeps talking to him and asks him to help her find her head. And he's like, what? Uh, And she kind of floats over to him. And this is the scene where she, you know, he like reaches out trying to test whether she's actually a physical thing or a ghost. And she's like, don't touch me. And this, it, it just seemed like a weird attempt at humor that failed miserably. They, she takes him outside where the pool that he just drank from is and basically says, my head is in there and I can't get to it. And she also tells him the story. She says that, you know, she let a traveler in by night and the traveler tried to force her and she resisted and so he killed her. She even says, maybe the traveler was you. And Gone was like, nope, not me. <laughs> uh so, and she even, I think, asks him, are you sure? Which I thought was also a little weird. But anyway, she asks Gawain to go into the pool and get her head. And Gawain is, you could tell he's about to kind of do it. And then he turns around and said, if I do this, what would you give me in exchange? And she says, why would you ask that? Why would you even ask that? And it's like, the only thing I can think of is that this is again pointing out that like Gawain is kind of a coward. He doesn't want to dive into the pool, and so he wants to get something out of it. But Gawain seems suitably ashamed, and he ends up diving in, and we get this weird scene where he, he's in the water, and everything turns red, and it just ends up being kind of mystic whatever. But he does find the head, and he brings it back up. But Winifred is no longer there, so he takes it into the house, goes upstairs, and in the bed where he had been sleeping is a skeleton. And it's like, He's looking at it going, what just happened? And then he looks down, and the skull that he was carrying now looks like her actual head, and he just drops it. Oh, my gosh. Um, And then she says something, and it was really hard to make out because she whispers it. Um, But it started with, now I can see you. And then she went into something else, and it had to do with, she. it's like she knows what he's questing to do, and... She says something about it, but I couldn't make it out. But anyway, he puts the head back with the skeleton. And the implication I got was that she was going to help him in some way, but I couldn't hear exactly what she said. But anyway, he turns around, and there leaning up against one of the posts in the house is the axe. And so he takes the axe, and he goes along his way. So the next major thing that happens is he just wanders around for a while and then ends up in a cave where he's trying to start a fire, and here comes this fox again. And at first he tries to get the fox to go away, and the fox kind of persists, and he's like, come on in. So the fox becomes his traveling companion. They next kind of just keep traveling alone along together, and Gawain, having lost his store of food with his horse, and having no other means of getting food is 
hungry and he ends up when next thing we see we see him like eating mushrooms out of that are growing like in a rock face or something and he shares it with the fox he eats it but then moments later he like throws it up and the next thing you know he's hallucinating seeing something growing on his hand and you know and then he also sees a hallucination of the green knight out in the distance this is all at night by the way and then the hallucination clears and it turns out it's just a tree now here's where it gets weird the next day or at least presumably the next day he's walking along and there's these hills of rock all around him and the next thing you know there's this giant hand that that comes along and mounts the rock and he's like what and there's these you know huge giants and i'm talking like big enough that he he would fit in the palm of their hand fairly easily um they don't take any notice of him at first and at this stage because what just happened was hallucinatory mushrooms you're wondering how much of this is real and I don't know the answer to that question at this point. I really don't. Um, but anyway, he climbs up to the top of the hill and gets a view. And there's like a dozen or more of these giants. And they're all kind of weirdly androgynous. Their heads are shaved. They have female breasts. In fact, one of them is breastfeeding a baby giant. Um, but they're all kind of androgynous. And they're all nude. It's weird. Really weird. Um, anyway, they're just walking across this big valley. And... He shouts and tries to get their attention and asks if he can ride across the valley on the shoulder of one of them. And the giant says something, and I'm not even sure it's English. It was the vocals of it were really weird, so I'm not sure what the giant said. But it reaches for Gawain, and then he cowers back. And it's like, not knowing what the giant said, it's hard for me to judge whether this is him being a total coward again, because... If you really wanted to ride on the giant, like, they're going to have to pick you up. <laughs> uh, or was the giant actually saying something threatening? I'm not sure. But anyway, when he cowers back, the giant stops. The fox then howls, and then the giant imitates the howl. And this is one of the reasons why I wonder if it's a hallucination, because it's like, is he imagining this and only hearing echoes of his own shout and then echoes of the fox's howl? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's so bizarre. But anyway, the giants then just walk on and he's walking behind them in the next scene and then the this is where the the camera does like a it flips over and this is where my wife was like I can't watch that. It it was going to make her sick. Um so anyway, it just one weird scene after another. But he finally comes to a point where he reaches the castle and he knocks on the door. Nobody answers. He just opens it and he basically falls unconscious. Next thing you know, he's waking up and the lord of the castle is in the room with him, you know, tending to him. And he wakes up and he's like, oh, what, what's going on? Where's, you know, and he's kind of scared and the guy's like, calm down, you're fine. You know, and he asks him what day it is and he tells him it's whatever, December 21st, I think was what it was. Um... But he basically says, you know, you need to rest and you've got time. Uh, and it comes out that the lord and lady of the castle already know who he is. And we don't know how they know who he is, but he identifies him as Gawain. Uh, and he never really explains how he knows this, even though Gawain asks him. He's like, I know a lot of things. Okay, that's kind of creepy, sir. Uh, but anyway, you know, he, he tells him, you know, you should stay here and rest and don't be 
you know, worried about finding the Green Chapel. It's just up the road a day's journey. So the Lord goes hunting that day, and this is they haven't made a deal yet, which is what happens in the in the original story. The Lord goes hunting. He brings back something. In the in the meantime, he spends a lot of time with the lady. And the lady, by the way, is played by the same actress that plays the prostitute that he's in with at the beginning of the story. Which again is one of those things. It's like, what they do that for? What what's the what's the thing here? Um, and I'm not a hundred percent sure about this one either. But anyway, the Lord ends up coming back after Gawain spends a day with the lady, and the lady apparently has invented photography because she makes a portrait of Gawain, which involves light going through and being inverted, and it's not exactly clear what's going on here. But apparently, she's invented photography, and he finds it kind of weird. Um, and she hasn't made any overt moves at this stage, but she is very provocatively dressed, let's say, by comparison to everybody else in the story. She has a very deep, plunging neckline. Um, so you can, even though she hasn't made any serious moves at this point, you can already tell that she is going to be kind of a temptress-type character. And you can tell he's, which is kind of natural enough, since she looks just like, not just like, because she's clean and, you know, wearing fancy clothes compared to the other one, but just like his girlfriend. Anyway, at the end of the day, the Lord makes the deal with him. I'll bring you whatever I find in the hunt. You give me whatever you gain in the castle. It's like, okay, fine. Um, he, he asks him though, like at one point, what, what will you, what, what might I find in your castle that I could give you that's not already yours? And he says, there's a lot of weird things yeah, and just kind of mysterious about it. Um, and then they get into the discussion of what Gawain's quest is and talk about the Green Knight. And then they get into this weird conversation about what it's all about and what the green represents. And the lady goes on this long thing about how green represents a bunch of different... I don't remember. One of them says corruption. And then the, green, the, the lady goes on about how green overtakes everything and will eventually, you know overrun everything long after the kingdom and everything else has gone to dust green will overtake everything no matter how much we try to stamp it out and it was just she goes on and on about it and i'm just like this movie is trying to be too smart for its own good uh <laughs> that was my thought uh basically was like we're she's trying to deliver some kind of message for the movie is what it seems like is going on but it was really hard to find out what exactly that was because she just goes on and seems to ramble about it. At any rate, the next day we get what starts out looking exactly like what should have happened in the original story because the Lord goes off hunting and the lady comes in and is pretty clearly trying to tempt him. But it's it gets really weird because he's he's clearly uncomfortable and she just straight out asks him, do you want to come to my room? <laughs> and he's like, no, I can't do that. And even and she asks him, you want to, though, don't you? And he says, yeah, I'd like to, which is like not even, <laughs> it's just so bad. But then she keeps kind of pressuring him, and then he notices that she's wearing the belt, or one that looks exactly like it, that his mother gave to him that was supposed to protect him from everything. And this is where it's really supposed to come up in the story, basically, is right here. Except it's supposed to be on the third day, and this is the first day of their game, you might want to call it. So he, you know, basically says the same thing, like, this will protect you from all harm or whatever, and do you want it? 
and he says, you know, basically, yes. And he's breathing really heavy and, like, acting crazy at this point because, and it's basically the sexual tension of it is what it's about because she is very intentionally trying to do that to him. But then she keeps pressuring him to say that, yes, I want it. And he doesn't say it at first, but he she just keeps leaning in on him and, and this is like if you have young viewers, maybe turn this off now, because this is like the worst scene in the entire movie for much of anything. But and I can't describe it without getting a little bit adultish. Um, so yeah, if there's any kids watching this, you might want to like make them go away. I'll give you three seconds. One, two, three. So what happens in this scene? is the lady keeps pressuring him, and he finally says, I want it. And then she kind of pulls back, and we get a view of Gawain holding the the belt, girdle, whatever you want to call it. Well, actually, before that, she says, you were no knight. Well, I think it's before. I don't remember the timing. She says, you were no knight. But what we see is Gawain holding the belt really tight in his hand with white fluid and you know the adults among us will know what that means you know they didn't have relations but he did something and it was just the most awkward uncomfortable thing Ugh. Ooh, I didn't like it um, so anyway that happens and then she walks out and then Gawain looks over and there is I forgot to mention there's this blind old lady who is with her all the time but there she is, standing in the other part of the room, and suddenly he's terrified that she knows what happens, and so he gets all his stuff, he gets dressed, and he goes. Um, as he's walking through the forest trying to find his way to the Green Chapel, uh, he runs into the Lord, who had just killed, looked like a boar, I think, um, and he stops him, or tries to, and basically says, you know, where are you going? You know, you've still got a few days left, and the... Gawain basically says, I'm I'm going to make my appointment. He just doesn't want to talk about it. But anyway, he says, are you sure there's nothing you want to give me? Because the, the game has already been going. Like, he's going to owe him something at the end of the day. And presumably he can see that Gawain is wearing the belt around him and he knows that it belongs to his wife. And Gawain, uh, I don't think he actually gives a specific answer, but the Lord comes over and says... I think you do, and I, you know, I could take it if I wanted to. And he leans down from his horse, and like grabs Gawain's chin and kisses him. Now, this is like a mirror, a weird mirror of what actually happens in the story, because that's what Gawain gets every day: is like one kiss, then two kisses, then three kisses, plus the belt on the third day. And so Gawain gives him a kiss at the end of every day. But this one was, I mean, that's like a courtly kiss that you know you might exchange as a greeting this one is a like it's forced and Gawain doesn't want it and it's really awkward and it's like what is going on um so anyway and then the lord also has this sack and says well I was going to give you this at the end of the day but maybe we should just let nature take care of it and it turns out it's the fox who had left him when he got to the castle then he lets Gawain go Gawain continues on with the fox and at they come to this river where there's a boat, and that's how Gawain is going to get there. 
and the fox suddenly starts talking to him out of the blue, like, why is the fox talking? And anyway, it tells him to turn back because the Green Knight's dangerous and blah, blah, blah. And he, and you could tell everybody that you did it. And Gawain basically says, I'm not that kind of guy. And he says, well, the belt around your waist says otherwise. Uh, and so Gawain just, you know, eventually tells the fox to go away. I didn't want your company anyway. Fox goes off. Uh, and here again, I couldn't tell what all the fox said because the way they did his voice was so weird and kind of gravelly. Um so that's another thing, really, I should have mentioned earlier, is, like, some of the voices, they just, they made it really hard to understand what some people were saying. Anyway, he goes on, finds the Green Chapel, and the Green Knight is just kind of sitting or standing at the top of these steps with his eyes closed, not moving, stock stone is still just, just not moving at all. So he takes the axe and he lays it on one of the steps, and he waits and it's not clear how long he waits, but he waits at least until the next day. Which, if he only waits until the next day, that's still not Christmas. So that's kind of weird. But anyway, the Green Knight wakes up, sees him there, says, is it time for your appointment? And he says, yes. So Gawain, you know, gets ready. He kneels, the Green Knight comes over, and he starts to swing, and Gawain flinches. And this is true to the original story, at least. And the Green Knight's you know, you know, kind of berates him for being a coward, and he says, well, I'm not as confident as you. Uh, so the second time he gets ready, and then he flinches again, even though he said he was ready this time, and the Green Knight is, you know, starting to get a little bit peeved. And so Gawain makes himself ready a third time, and then, so you're expecting, you know, something to go right here for a change. The, Ga the Green Knight gets up and swings again, or starts to, and Gawain just cowers back, and he's like, I can't do this, I'm sorry, and he runs off. Um, so this goes way against the original story, but I'll come back to that because it'll be significant. So anyway, he runs off, and the next thing we see is like a montage of he goes back, he gets knighted by King Arthur, who's basically on his deathbed. Presumably then Arthur dies, and Gawain becomes king because Arthur has no sons, and then he ends up having a baby with the prostitute, but he takes the baby and leaves the prostitute and gets married to a princess who has one of the worst costumes in the entire movie. Uh, and then he ends up having, you know, directing wars against who knows who. And he has a son, the son that the prostitute had, grows up, becomes one of his, you know, military officers, but ends up getting killed in one of the wars. But he also then has a daughter with the princess that he marries, and they're growing up, and the next thing you know, he's in a castle under siege, and he's about to get taken over. And throughout all these scenes, he's been wearing the green belt and won't let anybody touch it or take it off. So at the end of this scene, the princess with the princess that he married with their daughter leaves along with basically everybody else. And as they're about to break in, he pulls off the belt, and then his head falls off, as if it had been chopped off earlier. And then it flashes back to where he's with the Green Knight. So all this was actually just him kind of imagining like what the rest of his life is going to be like if he went down the coward's path. Um, so we get him back with the Green Knight. And then he takes off the belt and says, okay, now I'm ready. And the Green Knight kneels down next to him and says, well done, my brave knight. Now, off with your head. And that's the end of the movie. And I'm just like, 
you ruined it. You ruined the whole dang story. Like, everything about the story, there's one theme that carries through that makes sense, and that's the fact that Gawain is a coward and he has to learn not to be a coward. But there are so many things that are messed up about this movie. For one, Gawain never learned how to actually have any courage in this story. There's no character development. He just suddenly decides, despite having been the coward the whole time and not not seeming to learn any of the lessons that he should have learned, suddenly now he figures it out. He has this he has enough time between swings to figure out that he's going to become an absolute horrible person if he just continues down this path. It's like that's not very realistic. But I can leave that one kind of aside. But the other weird stuff is like what are the giants? What's their deal? What's the deal with the fox? Why does it suddenly talk when it, it just been following him around the whole time? Why? Who are the Lord and Lady? Because in the original story, the Lord is the Green Knight, and the Green Knight is just him enchanted by Morgana, you know, trying to bring shame on Arthur's court or whatever. And why is Morgana Gawain's mother and Gawain's mother, and why is she trying to get all this to happen? Is her entire goal just to make Gawain finally grow up and learn courage and get honor? Or, like, I don't even... There's just so many weird things about this movie. The way the plot goes, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, seems to have no point. It takes forever to make what little point that it has, which is, don't be a coward. But even that doesn't address all of his other issues, like the whole hedonistic, carousing lifestyle he had, and then the scene with the lady, which we won't talk about again. Like, all of that just doesn't get resolved. None of it does. And that was one of the key points in the original story was that Gawain is a true knight. He maintains his chivalry. He doesn't give in to temptation. But he does give in a little bit to cowardice because he does take the belt and he doesn't give it to the Lord on the third day. That was the entire point of the original story, which is, you know, Gawain, who is this great knight, can still succumb a little bit to cowardice when he feels that death is certain. And so he goes back with the green belt on in shame, you know, having learned a lesson. Here, Gawain might have learned a lesson, but it, I mean, there's no real indication that he's going to be that much better in the future other than maybe he won't be a complete craven, which he has been this entire time. And then the other thing is, since we get the, the story cut off right after the Green Knight says, with a semi-amusing look on his face, now off with your head, does he actually chop off his head? Does he let Gawain go? We don't actually know. It's so bizarre. Like, everything about this, like, if, they had, if there had been a better payoff and better character development, I could have forgiven it the slow pace and some of the weirdness. But we got magic mushrooms, bizarre scenes which don't really seem to contribute anything to the plot other than to point out again and again and again that Gawain is, yes, a coward. It's like, why did we have to take all that time and spend all these minutes building up to we don't even know how the story actually ends? That's just... You know what? If you like art house movies, maybe this is your thing. But to me, it was just like a waste of time, and because of some of the really uncomfortable scenes, it was just like, I'd rather not have watched that. Thank you very much. So, there's the Green Knight. I thought it was horrible by the end of it. I, you know, like, even up to halfway through the movie, I was like, 
they can still make this kind of worth my time. But at the end of it, it was just like, and I hate this movie. So, yeah, if you if you were thinking about watching it, uh, I mean, I don't think it's in theaters anymore at this point, but if, if you were thinking about watching it at some point later, my advice is find a way to do it that's not spending money and that's not using time that you could have otherwise used more profitably. So that was really long, and I apologize for the length of this, but I really had to get a lot of the plot in there to explain the things that I don't like about this movie. Because that really is a lot of it, is the way the plot goes, and the way that it meanders, and then doesn't go anywhere, and then finally gets to weird elements, and does really disturbing things, and then finally doesn't even resolve. You have to kind of know the way the plot goes, in of some detail to understand why that's so frustrating. So, hopefully that gives you a good idea of whether or not it's even worth doing, if you got this far from the spoilers, you know, through the spoilers. Otherwise, you know, take it for whatever you will. If you stopped before the spoilers and watched it and came back to this, let me know if you agree with my thoughts. Um, but, yeah, just for anybody who has seen it, I want to know if you got anything more out of it than I did because, like I say, there were artistic elements that I did like. But in terms of the plot itself, if anybody can find a way to save this that I missed, let me know, because I would really like to have enjoyed it more than I did, because there was enough not to enjoy that, uh, just don't want to talk about it, so, anyway, that's my review, if you want to follow me on Twitter, at JRRTLore, you can get some occasional Tolkien-related trivia questions, please subscribe to the channel and click the bell icon, please like and share the video around for, you know, if you thought it was worthwhile, and, of course, you can also find me on Odyssey, Rumble, podcast versions, and you can support me on Patreon. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namariyeh.